This is Wessler Media. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. This is Pastor Doyle from The Church Next Door, and I hope that you're having a great day. I'm I'm really thankful that you're tuning in, you're listening, that you've subscribed to the podcast, and you're listening to the Word of God. Today, I want you to be encouraged that God is real, that He is right there with you. And today, we're going to begin a lesson on the real invitation, and we're going to use Paul as the example. See, when Jesus stepped into the world, he was real, and God invited you and I to get to know him. And what's amazing about the Apostle Paul is he was really unlikely. You may be feeling like that today, but you're looking at your life and you're saying, I'm just blown away that God would ever even choose me, that God would select me to be a part of his family. That's the way Paul was. Paul was opposed to God. Paul was this religious expert, but he didn't really love God, and Jesus interrupted his life. And today, you and I are celebrating. We are celebrating. We are thankful that God has interrupted our life and invited us to be his follower. Let's let's just bow our heads right now and say, God, I want to thank you that you've chosen me, that you've invited me to be one of your children, that you've invited me into your kingdom and to serve you. God, we want you to know we love you and we appreciate you and help us today to live our life worthy of you. May we be like Paul. Give us a courtside seat to your kingdom and be a part of what you're doing in in the world today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm Pastor Doyle from The Church Next Door. Have a great day. Come visit us soon at The Church Next Door. We've been doing this study of real people in the Bible And I've been excited about it. It's been a lot of fun for me. I hope it's been fun for you, all right? The reason is this. I think sometimes we kind of get detached from the Bible, and it's a book, and it's not about real people. The Bible is full. It is full of God's people and their personal biographies, okay? And we miss the biography part, We've, we miss the people part because of our own just stepping away from that. And so we've been talking about real people, and we've been going through and looking at their lives. And so this is the last week I'm doing it for now, but we're going to come back to real people later this year because we're not even covered all the people we want to cover, okay? But today we're going to talk about Paul. And the reason Paul is so interesting to us is he wrote, he wrote much of the New Testament, but he was not one of the 12. He was actually this guy who opposed. He was against the Christian movement. He was against what they were doing. And he wasn't against it for bad reasons. He actually had good reasons. And so I want to unpack that with you today. And I want to talk to you about it. Because what's interesting about Paul, even though he opposed it, he became, he became the most vocal person inviting other people to learn about the way Jesus. This is my question for you. If I had four tickets 
to the final four. And I told you that my tickets are courtside. And with those tickets, I have hotels, I have your airfare, and I have food vouchers for the final four. Would you like to come be my guest to the final four? How many of you would be in? Yeah, yeah. Even a couple of you don't even like basketball, all right? No, no, no. Why is that? Because you know, well, it's courtside. These are great seats. It's going to be a good time, right? Now, I'm going to switch it on you just a little bit. I'm going to switch it on just a little bit. Uh, at the last minute, i got to tell you this. I know it's sad, but I can't go. Would you be willing to take those four tickets, and could you fill the other three seats? You'd say, of course, no problem. If you're covering all that stuff, big, big deal. No, 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 I got it. Please, give me the tickets. Give me the tickets. Give me the tickets. And I said, well, i got to switch it on you just one more thing, Okay. All right? What if I gonna, I'm going to give you the three people that you got to take and be there with? Well, now you're beginning to go, well, I don't know, man. You're pretty square. I don't know if I'm going to like the people that you're going to send with me. But then you're thinking about it a little bit more and say, well, as, 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 as weird as you are, it is courtside, and I'm going to feel like I'm in the midst of the game. Who knows? I might, one of the future Hall of Fame NBA players may dive for the ball and land on me, and I'm going to get to tell everybody for the rest of my life, you know, that this shirt that I've kept since then still has sweat. You know what I'm saying? You know, I've got DNA from an NBA guy, you know? And, and see, the reason is this. The reason is this. The idea that you would get to be that close, that you would get to, to, to be a part of all the emotion and the action and you would feel like you were a part of it. Well, this is the story of Paul. Paul was invited by God to see what he was doing. And Paul's life was so transformed by it. But what transformed Paul was that he was willing to say yes to God. When God said, Paul, I'm going to switch it on you. And I want you to go to the people I want you to go to. Not just bring the people along with you that you like and the people that you want. Because see, God sent Paul, this, this, this Jewish boy, he sent him to the Gentiles. God said, I need you to give the message. I need you to give the invitation of Jesus to people that are far from God in far-flung places. And Paul said, God, that's what I want. I want to be ringside for what you're doing. If you would, get out your notes, open up the app, follow along. You can, you can take notes there. All right. Courtside seat. This is what I wrote in your notes. I want you to see it. I want you to think about it. It says, Paul's perspective on Jesus and the church are unique as one who originally hated and opposed the message of Jesus. But God interrupted his life plans and gave him a ringside seat. Paul accepted God's invitation to serve him and turned the world upside down. That's what Acts 17.6 says about Paul. You're turning the world upside down. So let me give you the backstory on Paul. Paul is a really interesting uh, figure because the, the Bible tells us that he was a Roman citizen in Acts 16. He was a Jew from the city of Tarsus in Cilicia. That's in Acts 21. And finally it says he was a former student of the law with Gamaliel. 
Now, the reason those three facts are really important is that most of the time you and I just read through the Bible and we read them and we're like, yada, 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 okay? We don't understand the, the depth and the importance of that. When it says that Paul was a Roman citizen, it means that Paul was part of a wealthy family. This is because in the ancient Roman world, in order to be a Roman citizen, you had to have the means, financial means to be a part of that. It was about a birthright where you were born, but it also meant that you would swear allegiance to Caesar. And Caesar was a god. And if you're Jewish, you're not allowed to have any other gods besides God. And so the only way you can get around that is if you knew somebody who was willing. There was, a, there was a brief clause that said, well, Jews can be Roman citizens if they'll swear allegiance to Caesar, even though they worship Yahweh. But you had to get someone who was willing to accept your testimony on that, and it generally required a lot of money. And so what it means about Paul is that, that Paul was this, this Jewish boy who had a father who had wealth enough and had relationship enough to get him Jewish, as a Jewish person, Roman citizenship. And once you had that citizenship, it was like gold because it protected you wherever you went because nobody wanted to mess with the Roman legions. And so if you walked into a city, you were protected by your birthright as a Roman citizen. And not many Jews had that. They didn't have the resources, they didn't have the means to make that happen. There were many people that were born in a Roman city but didn't have the right, didn't have the ability to get that, that squared off on their life. But Paul had this. And because he was born in Tarsus, he, he knew about the urban world. He knew about the Roman culture. He knew about their cities and he knew how they were arranged and he knew something about it because the Romans had a pattern to the way they built cities. When you walked into a Roman city, you automatically knew how to get, get, away, get around. They had, a, they had a, a particular system with every city, city and Paul knew that. But his father loved God and he wanted Paul. His name as a boy was Saul. When he met Jesus, he became Paul. His father invested the money to have him taken to Jerusalem because he wanted his son to really love God and see the heart of God's people. And he goes there to study under Gamaliel. Now, we talked a couple weeks ago when we talked about Luke, we talked about what it meant to have a rabbi and that, that it was a real privilege to get a rabbi, but, but Gamaliel was just no rabbi. Paul's daddy paid for him to have the best rabbi alive at that day. How do we know that? Because Gamaliel was the grandson of Hillel. If you are Jewish and you grew up in a Jewish home to this day, you hear the stories of Hillel and Shammai. Hillel and Shammai were the two most famous rabbis of the first century. And Paul studied with the grandson of one of those guys. That means that the Gamaliel sat at Passover with Grandpa Hillel. And as a student of Gamaliel, Paul had Passover with Gamaliel while the other disciples were having it with Jesus just around the corner in Jerusalem. Because of that relationship, Paul had the credentials. He had, he had the, 
the Pharisees' approval and actually urging to stamp out this new movement among the Jews of following a man named Jesus of Nazareth. And he loved God so much, and he loved these, 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 these men and women that were teaching him about God in Jerusalem. He, he wanted to honor them, and he wanted to do what was best, and he thought it was best to stop the way of these Jesus followers. And so he was. He was ahead of the people that were stamping out this new movement because they were afraid it would destroy Judaism. There was a young disciple of Jesus named Stephen, and Paul was part of the insurrection to kill this young man. He admits later that he held all their coats so their arms would be free to throw stones and murder this boy who proclaimed Jesus was the Messiah. What really upset them was that Stephen said that God is so great, so glorious, so wonderful that he does not want to worship in a building. He wants to worship through and in humanity who he built. That your body is the temple that God wants to worship through. And they stoned him for saying it. And Paul held their coats. What you and I have to understand about Paul is this. He was trying to love God with all his heart, with all his mind and all his strength. But he missed God in the midst of that. And it's a telling story for you and I because we can really try it. We want to worship God, but we still miss God. I mean, there's no indication that Paul ever got to set on a hillside in Galilee and hear Jesus teach. He never sat at Jesus' feet like Mary at Bethany because in his world, that would be unthinkable. Can I tell you, some of us, there was a time in our life it was unthinkable that we would come to church. Sunday morning is too primo a time for me to waste in church. And look at us now. Paul opposed Jesus, because he thought he was doing the right thing to oppose Jesus. Paul was on a mission with papers from the Pharisees of Jerusalem to destroy the Jesus followers in Damascus. And while on his way there, God interrupted him and gave him an invitation to follow Jesus too. He's totally transformed by that experience. God stopped him. God stopped him in his opposition. God stopped him in his anger and his cynicism and forgave him and gave him a new life. In Acts chapter nine, it tells the story of how a bright light showed up and God said, Saul, Saul, why, why, why do you persecute me? He says, who is this? It's Jesus, the one you're persecuting. He says, I need you to go to Damascus. Stay with a man. And I'll show you what to do. And Paul accepts that invitation. Scripture says that he was, he was blinded by that experience and they had to lead him by the hand to Damascus. But for the rest of Paul's life, after that experience, 
He told everyone that if you will accept Jesus, you will be a citizen of heaven. See, Paul understood now that the most important citizenship you could have was not to be a part of the Jewish community, not to be a part of Rome, but to be a citizen of heaven as a follower of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Look what it says in your notes. It's in Acts 9. It says that Paul was so changed he had to share that Jesus is Messiah. Hold it. I'm sorry. To see. Forgive me. It says in Acts 9, 10, it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. What Ananias does is remarkable. Ananias is just a Jesus follower in Damascus. And and God speaks to him in a vision. He says, hey, Ananias, I need you to go to Straight Street and pray for this guy. And and think about that. Can you imagine if God asked you to go pray for somebody? If God said, hey, I need you to go, I need you to go uh, knock on your neighbor's door and pray for them. You say something like, you got to be kidding. That's the neighbor that hates me. He complains about my dog. And every time I'm out, he has some nasty remark to say. Well, for Ananias, Saul was the one. Paul was the one that was trying to destroy the Jesus followers. And and Ananias is like, God, you got to be crazy. God says, no, I'm working on him. I've given him an invitation, and you are the end of that invitation. And Paul, on the other side of it, he's, he's, he's at... He's at Judah's house and God speaks to him. The the Bible tells us that for three days he wouldn't need anything. He was fasting. He was praying and he was seeking God. He could not see. And he's like, God, I don't understand. This is too crazy. And God says, I'm going to send someone to you by the name of Ananias and he's going to pray for you and he's going to open your eyes. And when I read that story, I see something that's really remarkable. And it's this idea that you and I were called into community. That what God wants to do in our lives, he doesn't want to do with us singly. He wants to do it as a part of God's community. See, God could have have spoken to Paul directly. We know that because he already did that. He could have transformed his life. And this is what you and I do. We We sit and we say to God, well, God, you know, you can do it. I don't need to go to church. I don't need anybody else. But God says, no, I need you to see that you do need others. See, this is why Jesus came in the flesh. God has always used the community human element to heal us. The world is desperate for hope in the midst of community. It is not enough for you to sit at home alone and know the peace of God. It needs to permeate beyond you into other people. And when Paul said, okay, I'll I'll go get to know these Jesus followers, he was submitting to becoming a part of community. And when Ananias was going to him, see, sometimes we just need to say yes to God. We have to say yes to rubbing elbows with other people. And what it does, when you and I say yes to God, it does open our eyes. And sometimes people can see things that we can't see and they help us see. That's what community is about. It says that that Paul was so transformed by this experience that that, that he heals him. Immediately he says, what else do I need to do? They say, well, you need to be baptized in water. They take him and they dunk him in water. 
And he, he's, he comes out and he's, he's like, oh man, this is awesome. Then they lay hands and they pray over him and he receives the Holy Spirit. What they're talking about in Acts 2 in terms of Pentecost and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now he's empowered to be a witness. And he can do, he's so charged. He's got to share with everybody about Jesus. Look what it says in, 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 in Acts 9, 19, just a few verses follow. He says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. These guys were like confused about the transformation in Paul's life. Let me ask you a question. How has your life changed since coming to know Jesus? See, Paul was an angry man. Paul was one who who, who made lists of right and wrong, and he tried to live up to some list, some standard. Yes, he took most of it from God, but much of it he took from man's understanding, and he just realized that was not working. What I love about the story of Paul is that he realized that the gospel of Jesus was not just to save you. See, the gospel of Jesus was not given. Jesus did not rise from the dead just to give you eternal life in heaven. Paul understood that, that Jesus' message was to transform you. Where there was hatred, Paul received forgiveness and new life. He went from being a murderer to a teacher of the love and the way of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus did not go to the cross and, and, and to the grave and beyond just to give you eternal life. Is that part of it? Yes. But Jesus went to the grave and to the cross so that you and I could be transformed, so that God could heal that brokenness within us, so that God can restore us and give it. Listen, this is what I know about Jesus. Jesus cures addiction. Jesus heals the brokenness of your soul. Jesus can take where you have been abused, forsaken and rejected and he gives you acceptance and love and new life. See, what Paul preached wherever he went was this. Jesus is the way and Jesus will give you a new life. He will allow, help you to be self-controlled, full of the Holy Spirit and, and alert for life. How are you different today because of Jesus? Because if you know that, then you can tell other people. There are people in the world around you who need to hear your story. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. If you'll pray with me right now, I believe that God's going to move, that God's going to change some lives, that God is going to transform the world in which we live in. And so I invite you right now, let's just, let's do this together. Let's not waste any more time. What if we took a moment and just pray for our schools and colleges today? Lord, we, we thank you for our nation because uh, 
Our nation really believed in education early on, and God, it was the church. It was the believers who started Harvard and Yale and Princeton. So many of our best educational institutions were started as Bible schools, as as institutions of learning to train God's people to serve you. And that's why we come before you today to pray for our colleges and our schools. Lord, we know, we know about all the shenanigans and the, the false teachings that have gone on through the universities and the colleges, and that's why we pray today. We pray that you would begin to clean house that you would be the judge over our educational institutions, that you would cause the ones that will bring life to flourish, and that you would diminish those that would harm our children. Lord, we're asking you to give us wisdom as parents. What schools do we send our children to? Do we teach them ourselves? And how do we educate our children in a world that's debating these things. Lord, we're praying that you would arise and that you would would make your way. Lord, we, we've seen revivals at Yale in the past. We've seen revivals at Harvard in the past, and we're asking for revival in our higher education, in, in our colleges, our universities, our high schools. Lord, we pray for the ministries that minister to students. Lord, we pray for our churches to be effective at reaching students. May they go from college into the ministry, Lord. So, Lord, today we call on you, the God of all providence, to show mercy and grace and move in our educational systems. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I know I know that that prayer was good and that you were part of that, but I want to take you to the next step because that's what we're all about here, right? So would you go to yournextstepnow.com? That's our website and give us your email address and we're going to give you our ebook. It's a prayer guide. This month it's free. Know that it's free. It's not going to cost you. You just have to give me your email address and then you and I can become prayer partners for the ministry. I need you to pray with me, agree with me. Our world needs revival. We need you to become a prayer partner. This community needs you. So go to yournextstepnow.com, give us your email address, and get your free prayer guide ebook today. This has been Your Next Step, a ministry of the church next door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at the church next door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for your next step. I believe you're going to find people that have a genuine love for God and a genuine zeal for the truth. You don't have to dress super fancy. It's so lively and it's so much fun and just you leave like, oh, so refreshed. And I know I keep saying family, but that's what this place is for me. It's family. I'm Doyle Jackson, pastor of the church next door. People keep telling me how good it is to worship God together again. Well, come join us. Visit us online at thechurchnextdoor.org. Stories are a way we relate to one another. It's hard to underestimate their importance. Wessler Media is here to help you preserve those stories that you hold dear. We'll produce a personal podcast, an audio scrapbook that will preserve those memories for generations to come. 
Get in touch today. Call toll-free or text 1-833-38-STORY, 1-833-38-STORY, or visit wesslermedia.com. That's W-E-S-S-L-E-R media.com. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.